Hi, this is Mia King, and you're listening to the New Manifest Theater Podcast. to the new Manifest Theatre podcast. My name is Eva McQuaid. I am an ensemble member of the new Manifest Theatre company and your host for this very podcast. And today I am speaking with the lovely, talented, also generous, and just overall superstar that you probably have seen somewhere on your TV. Mia King. Hi, hi, hi. I am Mia King. You probably have not seen me on TV as I have not yet booked a TV credit. Well, I uh, hope that that is coming up sometime. Wouldn't you do a commercial? Oh, wait. I mean, yeah, I've done, yeah, I've done commercials. So you might have, oh, you might have seen me <laughs> drinking some Dairy Queen milkshakes or uh, holding H-E-B fresh food or... Yeah, see... Okay. See, you know, you, you have s- not seen me in. You have not seen me in a Toyota commercial that I did shoot that I was very excited about that never aired, but I got the money. So I'm well, that's good. mostly what counts. I yeah, it's like one that I would have been nice to it would have been nice. It would have been nice. Um yeah. Um, I guess that's what happens though when you start doing a lot of fancy things like commercials, you forget that you do them and you're just like, Yeah, I don't yeah. commercials. I mean, commercials are fun and commercials are great. However, commercials are not the end game. So they're easy to kind of forget. However, they are a very important part in keeping artists paid because not going to lie, they give a, you know, they pay a lot of money considering the small amount of time and the small amount of preparation. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, act like a normal person in front of this camera. You don't have to say anything. Just, just, just open this laptop smile at this coffee and then you get you get the money and then uh so you know it like pays the rent pays the bills but all of us actors are like yeah but we want we want the roles please thank you mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i hear you i would like you know if anybody out there is listening and has a commercial for me to do i i can do it yes i don't know why you are not the spokesperson of every single company yeah. Oh my gosh. All right, fine. Look, be- before we get further involved in this conversation, <laughs> l- let me steer it away from uh, Mia being a lovely human being and ask Mia to give us a brief introduction because you may not know this gem of a person. Um, I know Mia, but very like the beginning, like the edge. But I would like to get to know Mia more and it's going to happen soon and it's going to happen for us all right now after she gives us a brief introduction of herself, Mia. Well, uh, my name is, like I said, Mia King, but actually my name is not Mia King. That's not my real name. My real name. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My real name is Mia Deejer. The problem with Mia Deejer is that it is not spelled how it is pronounced. It's pronounced, no wait, it's spelled D-E-D-E-A-R. So it's like impossible to remember, impossible to pronounce, impossible to say. And I was like, you know what? I am in an industry in which I can choose my own name. So why not? So I just took, King really just came, uh, I picked it randomly out of this this uh, Deejer family history book. I It's the maiden name of Indeed. somebody who married into our family. I just had a list of them. I was like 15 or 16 at the time. And I had just signed on with my agent who turned out so to like, kind of be a scam. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say so like yesterday when you were 15 or 16. <laughs> Man, I wish. No, I was still I was still young enough and desperate enough. Uh, I don't know. I think that the agency like looked relatively. It, the thing is, I think that it was it was legit to an extent, just not like good. So, yeah. Oh, no. 
so I, they, they, they're the ones that helped me choose uh, that last name. Anyways, so I have a fake name. That's a fun fact. Other than that, I find that in my, uh, in my acting work and in my daily life, what really influences that is my biracial identity. I am half Chinese and half super Tixun, like, like eight generations Tixun. Like if you've ever been to Round Rock Donuts in Round Rock, there's a water tower next to it that says Round Rock. My ancestors built that water tower. We're Whoa. like super Texan. Um, and then my mom is Chinese, but from Taiwan. So um, my parents met in Taiwan, got married. Um, long story short. Anyways, so now I was raised in a Texan Taiwanese household and um, my mom is a dancer. So that's great because that, I mean, that goes against the stereotypes of Asian parents wanting their kids to be like doctors and lawyers and things like that. Cause my mom is by trade, a performing artist. Yeah. So she has a traditional Chinese dance school here in Austin called the love of China school of Chinese dance. That's where I danced from age two to 18. And was it that, the opposite then? Did you get like pushed into doing dance instead of being a doctor or something? Not like you just really. Said, no? Oh, okay. No. Well, well, the thing is my mom understood what it was like to have her own dreams and to go after them. So that's what she wanted for um, me and my brother. And I also think that, I mean, she's a fantastic actress. She probably could have gone into that if that's what she had chosen, but she didn't. And I do think that she has kind of a an unpursued dream of acting. So uh, she kind of yeah. lives vicariously through me because I'm oh. you know, out here doing this. My dad, I think generally just is supportive of all in all fronts. He also is like an amateur filmmaker. So growing up when I was in wow. high school, yeah, he just, he's an incredible videographer. Um, and he just has a bunch of equipment like really fancy cameras and stuff. So when I was in high school, in the high school film club, I would be the kid who brought all the equipment. So I'd be walking into high school with like a 10 foot boom pole and like a briefcase with a microphone in it, just walking to class like that. Oh, that's great. Uh, and oh, that's great, I love it. Um, Yeah, so that was me, filmmaking nerd. And my dad uh, also had Adobe Premiere. So I was really lucky being able to learn and like, you know, edit films together on Adobe Premiere when wow. I was like 12 or 13. So I think that, I think that my parents' background allowed them to be really supportive of me pursuing this, but I'm not interested in it because of them. Being an actor, honestly, is the only thing I've ever really wanted to do. If there was anything else I'd like to do that was easier, I'd be doing that. But this is the one thing that I know I would regret for the rest of my life if I didn't give wow. a fair shot at but you had you had artists on both sides wow that's amazing that's amazing yeah what's, what's more amazing is that like your parents didn't tell you like don't don't do this because I did it and I oh, did yeah. it you know what I, like some parents would probably be like yeah don't do that because I did and it didn't work out and I didn't fulfill all my hopes and dreams or whatever and you I want you know something completely different yeah yeah I think that that is the experience of some people but I think that it's because I showed interest in it quite early -ish. how early I mean, I remember being in first grade or so and getting a homework assignment um, that asked, like, if you could, oh, no, I think it, it said, um, what is something you've never told anyone before? And we had to write down our answer to that. And my deepest secret back then was that I wanted to be an actor. And it was a secret because somehow when I was that young, I knew that as an actor, you face a lot of rejection. And I just knew I wasn't ready for anybody to tell me you can't do that or you're not good enough. So I wasn't, I just wasn't ready to like admit that this is what I really, really, really wanted. It's like, it's like when you don't want to admit what, like who your crush is and you're just like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to tell anybody. That's how I was with acting. So on that piece of paper, I wrote down, I have never told anybody what I want to be when I grow up. My mom found it and she was like, what do you want to be? And I was like, um, I, I don't know. That's why I've never told anybody is because I don't know. And she bought it. <laughs> but 
I mean, also growing up, I was a, I was a pretty shy kid. And, um, I think that when I was a lot younger, I had some type of like social anxiety where I think it's called like selective mutism. There's some people that I just straight up would not talk to. And it was Mm -hmm. a kind of like anxiety that was around that. And I think that a lot of people just, you know, didn't, it just assumed that I was always going to be like the quiet, shy girl. And I was for a while, but I also had this like strong desire to be an actor. So whenever the fourth grade play rolled around, everybody was auditioning for like all the roles and everything, but I only auditioned for the main character. Sure, of course. Put all my eggs in that one basket. Mm-hmm. I gave it my absolute all. Mm-hmm. I did not get it. My best friend did. I got the part of a U.S. colonist. It was a history play. I shared like half a line with four boys and I had to wear baseball pants. Um, oh, man. Risk taker <laughs> right there. <laughs> I'm wow. pretty sure like I held a, bo- a cardboard box that said T on it. And I think I said like T. <laughs> Wait. So if you only auditioned for the lead, how did you, why did you accept another part? Well, okay. So our teacher called us individually to the desk to like, tell us what role we had gotten. And I remember like shaking as I walked to her desk, I sat down and she's like, Mia, is it okay if you're one of the colonists? And I remember saying, yes. And then I went back to my journal I, I probably still have this journal somewhere in my house. <laughs> oh my gosh, I hope you find it immediately. <laughs> I need to find it. Because Please go look for it. Oh my I, gosh. <laughs> I have to. I oh must still have it. There's no way I don't have it. But at the top of my journal, on the cover, in pencil, I wrote, I hereby accept my role as colonist. <laughs> oh, I fell off my chair. Sorry. <laughs> I was a... <laughs> I didn't end up majoring in drama for nothing. (laughs) I don't know why I was so dramatic. (laughs) I was forced to play a colonist. I'm sorry, you're just going to hear some laughter for a couple of seconds. (laughs) If only uh, other people in this world would accept their role as colonists. then at least we would know like oh yeah that over there that person's the colonist Uh, if we if we all wrote it on the front of our journals wow (laughs) that's so deep yeah that that, oh my gosh that is so funny how how do you Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Oh boy, I can't imagine a small little person, you as a little yeah. person in fourth grade, just like writing in there. Oh gosh, please find the journal. Oh God. No, I, I was very journal heavy when as a child, even before I really knew how to write. I I had this one journal where I literally kept a tally mark of how many times I cried that day. <laughs> the way I spelled it is pretty indecipherable, but I, I kept it a tally mark of it. I remember where I was sitting when I did that. Of how many times you cried a day? Yeah. Did you? <laughs> it was just being dramatic. There was no reason for me to be crying. It was just me like wanting drama. Listen, anybody out there who's listening to this podcast, <clears throat> please have the wherewithal and knowledge of fourth grade Mia King who understood her role as one colonizer. Then also, <laughs> there was no reason to be crying. <laughs> well, I'll learn from that. You don't need to be crying. If you don't, don't need to marks. be crying, then you don't need to be crying. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I don't even know. Where do you go from here? How do you go? How how do you keep going back? I feel like that's that's a lot of rejection to, to take on at such yeah. a young age and then want yeah. to keep doing it more and more and more. Yeah. What was the next thing you did then after the colonists? 
Oh this little Asian girl as the American colonist. Like, <laughs> listen, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> but bless your teacher. I'm sure they were trying to include you and, you know, make everybody. I mean, the only other ensemble roles available were Harriet Tubman's slaves. So, oh, that would have. <laughs> no. Okay, good. Good for your teacher for not being like, yeah, me, I can also. <laughs> Oh God! These little history plays are low key problematic, oh but but then also I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> what happened after that history? Well, I was in one puppet show in fifth grade, um, and then I joined drama, which was the theater class in uh, my eighth grade year at this school. It was a private school, and again, I only auditioned for the main character. But the thing is, this time I memorized all the sides like I was totally off book it the sides were like half of the entire play I really 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 wanted this role what, um, wait, what was it it was called this is a play by um I think um I something Greg Stephen Greg I think his name is Stephen Stephen Greg with like two g's at the end of Greg okay um but it's about it's about a well originally they the main character is a boy named Alan but you know we gender doesn't really matter in this play so it was open to everybody especially I mean we only had like two boys in the class so yeah this kid Alan is taking a test that he didn't study for he falls asleep has all these little like funny crazy nightmares and stuff and he thinks he's gonna fail the test and uh Alan and these like other little characters kind of come in and out at the end there's Alan's best friend Lois at the beginning and then somewhere like in the middle and then at the very end um, but then Alan is the only one like interacting with everybody through the whole play. Uh-huh. I really wanted to be Alan. I went home, memorized everything, came back, wow. and um, oh, and I tell just me you got the part, Mia. Did you I get got, the part? I got the part. Also, I just <laughs> lied to you. <laughs> so what happened what was happened? the people who auditioned me. Boy number one in the class, boy number two in the class. So me and the two boys. However, the two boys, no way. One of them was an eighth grader. One of them was a seventh grader. Both of them were not very um, expressive. Um, As my classmate described, they talked like brooms, which I think is fair. Specific description. Wow. Yeah. Um, And also something about our school was that usually an eighth grader would play the lead role, right? Um, so I was one of two eighth graders. I was the only one who was off book. I thought I did great. And uh, our teacher kind of, you know, we, we had a lot of auditions. Other people were doing other roles and stuff to get through that day. So the next day, I mean, everybody in my class was like, Mia, you did really good. And I was like, cool, thanks. And the next day, right before school, my friend, um, <clears throat> should we say her name? If you want to. <laughs> matter. <laughs> We'll call her um, Natasha. That's not her name, but we'll call her Natasha. (laughs) Natasha, who's a seventh grader, was like, Mia, if you don't get this role, I'm going to fight for you. And I was like, thanks. Cool. Well, today's the second day of audition, so I'm going to do my best. So I went in there, uh, did did my best. And my teacher, who did not like me, was like, oh, um, does anyone else want to audition for Alan? Anyone? Okay, well, going once, going twice. Natasha raises her hand. No. I do. What a betrayal. Absolutely betrayed. Guess who gets the role? Oh my gosh. Seventh grade Natasha. Wait, you just, so you lied to me? You said you got I, the part? I said, I said I got the part. Also, I just lied to you. <laughs> What a roller coaster of emotions I'm on. Yeah. Okay, fine. So betrayal, backstabbing, mm-hmm. horribleness yeah. from teachers and other people yeah. having to be a colonist. Mm-hmm. How do you move forward in life and continue to decide? I yeah, I want to keep doing this. What oh, there what? was never a question about whether I could Look do it. That. It was always a question of whether um I guess when. Cause I can't just decide to like act on my own and then like get in, you know, people have to choose you. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, people have to choose you. 
I also did create my own stuff. I had a neighbor across the street, a couple years younger than me, and she had a friend who also liked acting. So we, it would just be like us with a little camcorder writing scripts and I would go home and edit it on Premiere. And then we would hold little like premieres for our family to oh, watch our terrible so films. Are there any of them on uh, YouTube? Can we find them right now? Um, yeah, I'm not in, I'm not I'm not in any that we have on YouTube. I do have one that's on YouTube uh, that my dad DP'd. Like he he shot. You can see that he's like a really he's really good. I have one if you want to see it. I'm not in it, but I do. I okay. what's it called? It's called Empty Field. Ooh, that's ooh. It seems like it's gonna be very esoteric, touching story of friendship, featuring really bad music that I chose from like stock music. Listen, sometimes that's what you work with um, because that's what you got. So wait, are you still friends? Were you still friends with Natasha after that betrayal? Oh, I mean, yeah, because I had to play her best friend. Damn. I played, so I got the, I got the role of the best friend. You got the, Yeah, so. What a time. Okay, and like, sorry, sorry, no shade to Natasha. She was like 12 at the time. However, she was not off book until opening night. (gasps) I knew, remember how at the, like at the auditions, I knew half of the whole play so I, I had to sit there as she like searched for lines that I knew and I was like oh my god I know this I know this oh and then gosh. also I was I was an extreme outcast at that school I had like no friends especially in that theater class the grade under me was very clicky and there like most of the class was seventh graders so I remember one time when our teacher told us to like run lines for stuff because some of us were working on like duets and, and whatnot. She was yeah. like, if you're in the play, you can run lines for the play. If you're in a duet, um, just like work on something. Yeah. So I went up to Natasha and um, I was like, hey, do you want to run our first scene? And one of her seventh grade friends next to her, 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 Natasha was my friend already. Her friend wasn't really my friend. She just, like, just didn't like me for some reason. Or she just like was a little too clicky to ever talk to me. But anyways, her friend like looks over at me. And looks over at Natasha and she was like, I'll run the lines with you, Natasha. And Natasha, like, to be fair, looked at her friend and she goes, yeah, but Mia actually has the role. It's <laughs> like, why would it's just wow. like that level of being so ignored that when I wanted to run like the lines that I actually had with Natasha, some other girl was like, Natasha, I'll, I'll do it. Like as if she's like saving Natasha from having to talk to me. I was not popular. (laughs) And now I hope that those girls see you. um, Well, Natasha gets a reprieve, I guess, briefly for like telling her friend. Yeah, no, no, no. Natasha was definitely my friend. Um, Still, still. What a what a betrayal, though. I know. I know um, that moment, though. I, I, it's like, get what you want, girl. I mean, like, go for it. But also don't tell me something that morning and then and then steal it. It's like, I don't terrible. know what she's doing. I don't know what she's up to. These so days. I'm guessing we, that definitely. Natasha, uh, probably none of those kids were, um, it, it became very important as like mentor and guide to you in um, your future. Well, I mean, they were younger than me. So sure. we, that was my last year at that school anyways. Ah, uh, that's true. So who is in your life that you think has really like uh, your parents, of course, but like, have uh-huh. you, has, has somebody in your life really been like with you for a big chunk of your acting and has just encouraged uh-huh. you and, and guided you to do that and stick with it? I would say, um, there's a handful. Yeah. Actually one of my first friends in the acting world. Uh, her name is Naya, Naya Garner. And she was one of my neighborhood kids who we like made films with together. And she's a little bit younger than me. So we never went to school together or anything. Um, but well, actually she was a freshman my senior year of high school, but we didn't have classes together. Anyways, Naya and I would be like in middle school, we'd be submitting for UT um, like short films, like the, the student films yeah. over at UT. We were, yeah. we played the same ish age range because I, I'm, very small and look younger than I am. So we go out for the same stuff. She's also a person of color. So I think generally casting calls are pretty split between like if they wanted, if they were open to people of color and if they were not. So we'd mm-hmm. be called in for the same stuff. And uh, if we'd usually, you know, go to the same callbacks or whatnot, we would call each other after the auditions and be like, all right, so you're about to go in. This is how the room is. This is what they're going to let you, like, this is what they're going to have you do. So she was my little audition nice. 
And she was the one who I could like uh, relate to in yeah. in that way because none of my friends were auditioning or anything. I just wasn't, I don't know. I just didn't meet anybody who was besides her. But then as I grew a bit older, let's see. I feel like, I feel like there are a lot of people who have made impacts and, but not like one in particular. It's good. You have a bunch of folks who you can look to for support and guidance. That's wonderful. Yeah. I feel like the support that I lean on is less from like mentors and more on people who are like right here with me, like auditioning yeah. low key, like freaking out about maybe never <laughs> like booking something of the caliber yeah. that we went to like people who are right here yeah. putting in the work as well. I think that that makes me feel a lot less alone. Yeah. You're in the trenches with them. You, they know exactly. what you're going through. How do you like, Going back to Natasha, I mean, like, you know, so many times I think when we as actors, we go for auditions and we don't always get the part and maybe mm-hmm. a friend of ours gets a part and it's oh. hard to be supportive of them because it's like, oh, I really mm-hmm. wanted that part, though. I was super prepared and I really wanted it and it was mine to have. And for whatever reason, you don't get cast in it. I mean, how do you yeah. deal with that kind of rejection? But like try to continue to be positive for your friend, you know? Yeah, it has happened a couple of times with, I think the first time it happened, obviously, was with Naya. Um, Uh. She got, you know, when we were younger, like middle school-ish age. And I I remember, I mean, I was genuinely really excited for her as well, but I was also like, why, why wasn't it me? But also not, I wasn't salty about it. I was... I think that there was, mm, I think that I separated like the fact that she got it. It was not that much tied to the fact that I didn't get it. Does that make oh, sense? Like sure. I was like a little bit more um, upset about the fact that like I didn't get it because I, you know, really like the script or they like are on a really cool set yeah. that I would have really enjoyed been on, being on. But uh, recently, yeah. Yeah, no, sometimes I do see even like little commercials and um, shows and whatnot. I see people who I know get roles um, and it's, it is tough to not get as far as you would like in an audition process, or yeah. it's also tough to get pretty close and then end up not getting it. Mm. But honestly, the more you do, do it the more you get used to the mm-hmm. rejection sure. and I would say that what I always tell myself is what is for you will not pass you and if it didn't land in your path then it wasn't meant for you yeah that's beautiful yeah I love and that. I also heard something recently rejection is protection I've seen that happen a couple of times in my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where I really wanted something and then yeah. I didn't get it. But then later I saw that things might have been a little bit of a mess had I gotten it. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes yeah. sometimes it probably would have been great, but yeah. it was just not meant for you. And it's like, you just can't think about it too much. You really can't. Like you just got to do your best with your auditions. And then afterwards do your best to forget about it. And the more auditions I do, the more auditions I like send into the black hole of wherever auditions go (laughs) Yes, and like hear nothing back, the more I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm probably not gonna hear back from this because at least for me, the more I, um, I feel like callbacks are a little bit more high stakes for me because then like the chance of it becoming real is a lot more possible. So the pressure is a bit higher there, but the more I'm nervous, like the more I want something, the more nervous I am, then the more I judge myself while I'm doing it. Yeah, of course. 
you know, it's like swimming against the current. So you, you have to like care just the right amount, <laughs> which I am by no means a master of. But, I don't uh, think any of us could be. It's hard once yeah, you, you put so you have so much stake in the game, you know, it's like, um, I, I really, it's hard not to, but I think that that's part of being able to be an actor and deal. It's all, it's all part of that process. Like you, you have to be strong enough to be able to withstand the rejection. You have to yeah. know that you're not going to always get the part. Not everybody's yep. going to see you in every part for whatever reason, because they're stupid, probably. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. I'm sorry. I, you know, I don't mean that. I mean, they're, yeah, but they're, just, it, they're not it, right it, for the part yeah. for whatever reason. Sometimes it is yeah. for horrible reasons and not, right. you know, like. I mean, it's, well, rare, it's rarely personal. Half Chinese, half Texan person to do <laughs> this part. You know, it's like, well, that's a real bullshit reason but okay yeah um yeah. uh you know but you have to be able to keep going and move past it but it's hard it's like it is it's part of who you are it's passion mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. like it's about who you are so it's hard to move past it sometimes but what was the thing you said again what is for you will not pass you that's good yeah can we get somebody to needlepoint that for us or make t-shirts um out there, whomever is listening. Yeah, I did not make up the quote though, so don't. don't. Well, actually, I don't. I don't know. I might have. I've heard it like worded in different ways. Well, then you made up this quote. I think I made up this quote. I think it's the most succinct. Yes, I agree. Uh, we're gonna take a very quick break for a community update or some other update, some other exciting thing that's going on. It's probably spoiler alert gonna be about the new manifest mini fest that's coming up in September. Um, and then we'll be right back with Mia to talk to her some more. Mark your calendars for the fourth annual Manifest Mini Fest Short Play Festival. September 22nd through the 24th. The festival will showcase a variety of short plays and artist workshops. Keep updated on Minifest announcements at newmanifest.org. Penfold in the Park is back with a joyful reimagining of Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, placing all 21 characters in the hands of four virtuosic performers for a free night of fun for the whole family. September 29th through October 16th at the Round Rock Amphitheater. For more information, visit www.penfoldtheater.org. We are back to talk with Mia, the colonizer from fourth grade. <laughs> oh my God. You just had to put that in there. That's a good... <laughs> That would be a great title of a play. It's like the Inishman of whatever, or the somebody of Inish. What is that play? Anyway, I can't whatever. help you. I don't know. Okay, great. Um, cool. <laughs> the colonizer of fourth grade. Oh my gosh. I it would be a great theater for youth. Never mind. Okay. All right. So Mia, we are here. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're so cute. I love it. Um, bless your little heart. I love. I, I love seeing your little face everywhere, even though part of me is like, oh, that girl got a Dairy Queen. <laughs> and also, again, it's like, but I, I would have never. And she's look at her sweet face. I love it. Um, so what are you doing for New Manifest Theater Company now that you've gone outside of all of that childhood trauma? Yeah. And now you're working well, on probably adult traumas. Um, <laughs> wow, that got deep. <laughs> well, Somebody I, <laughs> yeah, I am serving as the creative lead of Minifest. So essentially I, I was the leader of our play selection committee and mm, worked with the artistic director, Simone, to, you know, whittle down the list to our four plays that we are presenting. And uh, from here on out, I'll be arranging the teams around them, like directing, acting, and likely also scheduling rehearsals and kind of being in charge of all that kind of the, the, the artsy, performy aspects of it. <laughs> are you going to be in one of the shows maybe? Not sure yet. 
Uh, not not opposed. Definitely not opposed. So which are the four plays we've selected? We have selected Witch Queen, a Snow White reimagining by Bailey Schlickman. There Will Be Bears by Ava Love Hanna. My H-E-B by Raul Garza. And Kitchen Conversations by Chris Thompson. Nice. Um, I... How did you get involved with New Manifest Theater Company? I was invited by Simone and I met Simone when she first moved to Austin and she directed her first play here, which was I and You by Capital T Theater at the Ground Floor Theater, which is where Manifest uh, Minifest is happening this year. And I guess we, we had a good time on that play. So when Simone <laughs> founded yeah. the New Manifest Theater Company, she, um, okay, it's either that she like invited me to be a part of it or I saw the play submission, um, the, the submission being, the being yeah. the, mm-hmm. yes, that, but like audition, but for plays, that thing. Yeah. And I submitted and I actually had a play of mine in the first mini fest. Oh, that yes. probably was where I started. Yes. Oh, yes. Involved. What was the name of it? It was called Stay Here. And what was it about? It was, it was about a son who lives in New York City, hasn't mm-hmm. seen his dad in years since they didn't really leave on a, a good note. He ran off to New York City and he hasn't been home in years, like refuses to go home mm-hmm. and only talks to his dad when his his uh, his dad calls. And he's just found out that his dad needs a kidney transplant and he is a match. So, Oof. Wow. Um, yeah. So you talk about really light subject matter sometimes, yeah? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're a part of every, like, you're you're really putting yourself in, like, every aspect of acting, writing, of, of theater, and of film. You know, you're behind the scenes, you're in front of the camera, on stage. Uh, do you like one aspect more than the other? Definitely. Acting is number one. I would say right after that is writing. I've always been interested in writing. Like even growing up, I would write short stories and I would write plays too. I have been behind the scenes in different ways. I mean, when I was in high school, I used to apply to be a PA on UT sets just because I wanted to like get ahead. When I was in college, I worked in company management in a number of theaters on the East Coast. That really informed I think that really informed me as like a theater maker I recently um I even did I was like a wardrobe assistant on a UT master's film this past spring just kind of jumped into it and I think that every time I do something that's not what I normally do I learn how to like make everyone else's job easier. Like working on wardrobe, I know, I see like what actors do that is really helpful for me. So whenever I, as, as an actor, am like on set, yeah, I can do those things to help make it easier for like wardrobe. I think that everything informs me, even if it's not necessarily like the position that I want course, to go into yeah. professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I think, yeah, definitely. I think it helps. I think like sometimes the best directors are actors first Mm. because they know, you know, what they would like to receive as an actor, how Mm -hmm. to talk to other actors. Yeah, yeah, I think definitely if you if you're not using all the knowledge and skills you've acquired in doing so many different jobs, then you're not. What are you doing? I mean, Mm. you got to use what you've learned. Yeah, exactly. So I try to be well-rounded, but definitely acting is the, the number one. Yeah. Well, then I, I think, yeah, you should maybe think about, um, you know, auditioning uh, for the mini fest. Um, oh, so what I made should. you want to... <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm like in, I'm, I have a hand in staffing these shows per se so I don't want to just state claim on things I would like for the people who would like to get involved to be able to plug in where they would like uh see that's why I said originally you're very generous that's very generous um I think because 
a lot of people would probably be like, cool, I'm in charge. I give myself this part. I probably would be that person. Um, but also, because I already tried to do that, but then I realized I can't participate. You can't do it. <laughs> R.I.P. It's going to be so um, sad. Why did you decide to get involved in this aspect of the company? I'm always interested in reading plays, thinking about them, talking about them. Um, and selecting a collection of plays that I think will be a strong like ensemble yeah. for this type of uh, show. So that's that's really what it was. I was just interested. I was I'm also always kind of interested in like what plays have been thrown in the ring. Yeah. So whenever you know, I like to I like to see that to get a little peek on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's always fun. Yeah. It's I I find it's hard for me sometimes to actually read plays mm-hmm. um, because, well, I'm lazy, but also <laughs> I just don't take the time to. I mean, it's like books, too. I don't I haven't read a book in mm. a, at least. Well, during the pandemic, I read a book or the height of oh. the pandemic, I guess I should say during mm. lockdown. But I mean, you know, it's it's hard because you get distracted. You do other things. You really mm-hmm. have to. Mm-hmm. It's like writing, I think, too. You really yeah. have to like focus your energy into doing that Mm -hmm. and reading the plays or reading plays is the same for me sometimes yeah gotcha I I enjoy it everybody has a different different uh voice and you know with these like different stories and everything it's also it's also kind of nice to I mean I think that there's a little difference between just reading plays just because and reading plays because you know that your decision matters in, you know, either mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to, mm-hmm. to think while reading this, like, hmm, maybe this playwright will have a happy time when they hear that their play yeah. got selected. Yeah. And I like, um, I like the plays that were chosen. I, I'm happy because I know, well, I know at least one of them is, is here or well a couple of them actually have voices I think that you don't often get to hear from Mm -hmm. and I think that that's important um the very first interview I did for the podcast was for um a play that we did for the minifest in 2020 and and it was about um 60 plus I think oh wow oh wait yeah I remember that one where they were like they were like almost dying but it was a comedy it was a comedy. They were not almost dying. <laughs> wait, what? No, they, they were trying to, they were on a dating, they were oh, trying wait. to go on a date. Oh, that is not what I'm thinking of, but <laughs> wait, do you, well, do you know sure. what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking. No, I don't know what you're talking about. What am I? What do you remember talking? the first, the first mini fest, right? The one that was at the, um, oh the yes. Table. Yeah, and then it was like the two mm-hmm. older ladies who were like, yes, yes, snacks and, and stuff or something. Yes, like yes, that's true. And I'm glad that we're continuing that with like, I feel like sometimes older women, like, there's only like certain parts for women on stage sometimes, and in film too, for that matter. It's like you know, you're 20 or younger, mm-hmm. or then you're like 75 and older. Yeah. And it's like, could, is there not like a middle ground of like? there's a whole bunch of women that fit into those categories. They're going through things. Can yeah. we talk to them? Let's That's see. true. I guess there's like mom age. Sure. Mom age. But then usually the mom age people are like, that's just what they are. They're the mom. Yeah. Like not about them. It's they're there to be the mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Not necessarily their story. Do you think that there's some that things like, I mean, we talked very briefly. <laughs> We're not going to talk about colonizers again, <laughs> but <laughs> it's like I feel like. Do you think that there's something, uh, some something that happens, a failure of theater or a film that consistently happens that you you just are like, what the heck? What what is that? Go away immediately. Mm. In just the, I know you just said this, but I forgot what you exactly said. You mean in just theater or in like film? In theater or film, I think, or I guess in any, I I think sometimes like I, like for me again, I think like we, or 
some filmmakers, some theater makers, they have a preconception of what or a preconceived notion of what is going to be interesting and who's mm-hmm. going to be interesting yeah. on stage. And it's like, yeah. well, no, but everybody has stories to tell. You can't just like say, well, I want to hear from this, you know, um, 19 year old uh, college student because, you know, she's having a hard time in her sorority, not to speak mm-hmm. ill of sororities. Mm-hmm. They're all important in different aspects of life, but you know, like things like that frustrate me sometimes. I'm like, they, okay. Can we listen mm-hmm. to other people's stories now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems to be pretty, pretty similar. I think one thing that I notice is that there's a tendency to squish all of the like quote unquote, diverse elements of a person into like mm. the best friend character, Ooh, which like, good. I'm kind of one to talk because I actually really enjoy playing the, the like energetic, like spitfire best friend. That's kind of my thing, but that's like the, my, that's my character type that I have the most fun in. It's yeah. usually kind of pushed aside to being the best friend. I guess maybe it's because like, if there isn't a best friend with a personality that kind of like jumps off the screen a bit, then like, why are they there? If the lead, like just, I don't know. Anyways, I, I just find that that type of personality is typically the best friend. So I, I, I do lean into that a little bit. However, I do, you know, usually see that like, if there's a person of color there, it's usually the best friend or if they like anything that's like anything. It, I think that a lot of decision makers try to pretend to well it's like they try to include diversity but (laughs) and I say okay I need to clarify that I say it that way because I think that a lot of people think that it's just something to check off rather than something Mm -hmm. that is needs to be like thoughtfully done oh yes and it shows whenever the secondary characters are always the ones who who fulfill that you know the little token spots just so that they can say, you know, they did it like, oh, well, we, we do have one. We have one here. And it's like, yeah, the, but when is that person going to be the center of the story? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. Sometimes I think people don't actively look for diverse actors. Mm. They just say that they're looking for diverse actors. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they won't actively go out and seek like a Mia or an Eva or whomever Mm. uh, is acting in this, in this city or in the greater uh, community of actors across the globe. And Mm. it's like, well, yeah, my, I'm, I'm casting a diverse cast. Are you? Mm-hmm. Or are you just casting and saying you're casting a diverse cast? Are you actually looking for people who can fit in a diverse or, or who are actually diverse? Yeah, I think that it's it's there kind of is a hierarchy. I mean, at, and I this is just what I feel like I see from film and TV, because I honestly don't know too much about I, I think I think that. With theater, there's a there's usually a smaller pool for people auditioning for things. So they have like a wider span of being able to see people, I think. Um, but I also don't spend too much time in that space anymore. So I'm not quite sure. But I know for film and TV, you know, they're like scrolling through all the submission stuff. They're like tons and tons and tons. And um, generally they, like there's so many factors that go into whether or not you get a tape request. It's like like who your agent is how they pitched you, what you like, what your reels like, what you've you've done, all these, all these yeah. things that make it really difficult for um it's like the more you've done, the more you're seen, right? But like how are you gonna be seen if you don't Can't have do mm-hmm. like a, a lot? And it's not to say that there isn't a way. Obviously, you know, people do climb up through that ladder. It's just quite difficult, especially when you are of a demographic that is typically um, kind of just even if it's subconsciously rejected. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I do feel that it's probably possible that that a lot of, you know, casting directors or whoever's making these decisions, like looks at my headshot. It's probably not what they had in mind. And then they're like, mm, nah. I see that happening. Like, Yeah, it's terrible. Mm. I think people need to expand their uh, concept of what a lead is. 
who, right. you know, why do we have a certain idea of what a character should look like? It's a character in a play, in a right. film, in, you know, it's not, it's up for, for any kind of interpretation, I think. Like, like your mm-hmm. fourth grade play. I know. <laughs> like, no, but truly, like, you know, or or maybe it was the eighth, no, it was the eighth grade play. It's like, okay, maybe the the character, the main character is guy, but who's to say that a that a young mm-hmm. a young girl couldn't play the part or somebody, you know, yeah. some unexpected person. Right. And I I I mean, and not to like advocate for these people making these decisions. I think that I just understand it a bit because with the wide amount of actors available, I think that they can find exactly who they're looking for. Of and course. if you can find exactly what you're looking for. And you subconsciously aren't thinking to make it unexpected. They're yes. not going to choose the unexpected. They're always going to find the person they're looking for. Yeah. So you can tell what they're looking for by what the final product is. Yep. I agree. So I think, you know, and, and they have limited time while casting. I understand, you know, they have a small list of people they can see. So, of course, they're going to go with what they're comfortable with. And it's it's like, can you, I don't know, can you blame them? It's, I mean, yeah, there's definitely responsibility there, but I also think that it's, I don't know. I think that there's probably many points of, um, I think that this issue probably originates from many different points and it's going to take a collective effort. Oh boy. That's why I'm so happy to be working with Simone and with New Manifest because yeah. consistently, I mean, and there are other companies here in Austin, of course, who do the same. Um, who are actually striving to hire and think about out, outside of the box or outside right. of the norm or outside what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm so grateful for Simone because since I first saw New Manifest stuff, it's always mm-hmm. been completely diverse, completely mm-hmm. diverse. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And I don't think that there's necessarily, it. it's not a, it's not so much about trying to do it. It just happens organically. It's just happening because there is an openness to, yeah. you know, to people. Yeah. I, I agree. With that. <laughs> well why said. Did you, <laughs> why did you, why is your focus more film TV than theater? I, well, there's more work and Mm, I enjoy them both about equally I like them for their own reasons sure I mean film and tv pays more I'm not saying I'm doing it all about the money but I mean it's nice to get paid for what you're doing for work you're doing. right I would ideally create my career on my acting and or artistic work and I mean I've worked in plenty of um, what's it? What's it called? Why am I blanking? I feel like a total theater. Not what's the union called? Equity. Equity I, houses. Mm-hmm. Worked yeah. in many equity houses. Worked on Broadway, and these people are not making a lot, like at all. And the fact that I don't know. I just it it seems like very few people are actually making a sustainable living off of theater work, and that. Yeah just seems to be the reality of it. And I also feel like film and TV is more receptive to my type. Hmm. Um, I mean, there isn't much in theater that I feel like I fit nicely into. I could, you know, give a few plays maybe, but I think that film and TV, there's just generally more space for a young twenties mixed Asian girl. I think that you would fit into any play. Thank you. Tell that to somebody who will hire me for it. Um, listen, people out there who are listening ah. to this podcast. Um, if Mia comes into your audition room, you should give her a second look because she is um, she has a diverse background um, and also <laughs> experience playing a diverse uh, amount of characters from colonizer oh no I'm just kidding I'm sorry I'm gonna let that one go but eventually maybe um (laughs) so um 
what would you recommend we read right now if we do not have access to the amount of um, plays that you did uh, working with the literary committee for the Minifest? Are there other plays out there or maybe screenplays or maybe books or maybe film other than Open Field? Mm -hmm. Open Field, right, was the name of it? Empty Field. Empty, dang it. It's, it's okay. You were really close. <laughs> Open field actually sounds a lot more picturesque and less melancholy. Oh, but see, empty field sounds like it's going to be. <laughs> You'll see why. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's not, not in a bad, well, in a, in a little, little bit of a sad way. Oh, good. Good. I love oh. a sad field. Are there any <laughs> okay? Are there any plays, plays you've read recently? Yeah, or are books? Yeah, I just finished reading Free Food Free Food for Millionaires by Min Jin Lee. It takes place in New York City, features a, a Korean American girl, which it's a long book. I I quite enjoyed oh. it. Uh, I'm currently I'm currently reading a bunch of young adult books that center Asian American uh, teens or early 20s girls so that when those yeah. casting calls for the movie adaptations come out I'm gonna be ready and I'll know what I'm doing <laughs> you're so I'm great I'm my research ahead of time completely off book yeah exactly they'll, they'll like <laughs> I won't even open the document for the sides I'll be like I know exactly what it is I know what this is oh man I love it <laughs> yeah um <laughs> One of my favorite authors is Mary H.K. Choa. That's pronounced C-H-O-I. I actually do not know if I pronounced that correctly. I probably didn't. She's Korean. I do not speak Korean, so I probably said that wrong. But I really enjoy her books. I also, um, one, of my, one of my dream plays that I would love to do is called Man of God by yeah. Anna. Her last name is spelled M-O-E-N-C-H. I'm not sure how to spell it. And as somebody with a very difficult last name, I don't want to butcher it, but that is one of my dream plays. I do not know how accessible it is, actually. I don't know if it's been published. Um, and I feel like I've heard of it. I think so. I think you should talk to Simone about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just went into like a, <laughs> a oh mental like her face was great. <laughs> <laughs> it went into like a whole mental funnel of like if that was actually done. Um, do you remember you know Emma from Good Friday? I do, right? Galbraith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she just did she just did Man of God in LA. Oh well that's that must be why I've heard of it. Yeah. Probably so, yeah. 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 So it's available. I just I guess, FYI. I guess uh, it is. I think that you, that's like one of the first productions of it. Well, one of, one of them. Maybe have the second. What else are oh, you working on? Right <laughs> what else are you working on right now other than being the lead on this project for New Manifest Theater Company? What else are you doing other than oh, sending out your reel into the void? That's true. That's, I mean, about it. I. <laughs> I, I'm always I'm always um, attempting to write whether I actually get words on the page or not is um, is one thing. Yeah, I, that's wonderful. Yeah, just have a few feature films that I rotate between and work on. I actually need to finish up editing a short film that I wrote and shot with my dad as the DP. It's called oh. Find Fido. It's I'm actually in it. What I uh, also. So I wrote it, I pretty much produced it, and I directed it, mostly because I couldn't find a director, but I also didn't try that hard. I just figured I'd be able to handle it. I don't think I was able to handle it. Um, never doing that again, but I'm also editing it. So it's like everything that I could do, I'm doing. That, oh my gosh, that I'm, I, I'm working on. We just need to do a little bit of Foley art and some imaging stuff, finding some images. So that should be. That should be uh I'm not sure what I want to do with that. I don't know if it's like viable to go out on the festival circuit. I'm always a bit like Yeah, why not? Critical. I don't know. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. Yes. Well, sure. Who isn't? Especially in this in this field, but like yeah. 
look, think about the the authors, the playwrights who submitted to New Manifest for the Minifest. That's true. You just got to put yeah, your stuff out there sometimes true. and go with the same as you said. What is what do you say? What is for you will not pass you. See? That's true. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You That's just got to put your you stuff out there. That. You're super talented. You something that is meant to be will be. Yeah, you know what? You are right. You're right. (laughs) Thank you. Oh man, I thank you. If um, I'm gonna have somebody write that down, and then like over and over. Oh, you should you should write it. You should get those like shower crayons and write it in your shower. Look at it while you're bathing. (laughs) I just okay. So I just had my birthday, and I decided that this year. I'm going to make a vision board. So I made a little vision board and I like wrapped it in, you know, one of those like plastic sheet wrap things and I stuck it up in my shower. So every day, cause you just like, there's nothing to do in the shower besides like put on soap. So I look, (laughs) I look at these things on my vision board and I don't, I, I, it better, it better work. I feel like, I don't know what you, maybe this is the conversation to have best. Uh, Like I, I feel like there's a, there's a, uh, there's a reason there's, you get into the shower mm-hmm. for a very specific reason. Yeah. Generally like, yeah. You know, to, 80% to yes. of the time. Sure. Um, and like that's, but I think that that is, <laughs> that is a wasted space. You're right. Like, why isn't there more yeah. stuff that you can put? I, I guess like when you're waiting for like the water to, to like, wash the shampoo out of your hair so I don't know this is like really specific it it, it just it's some somehow I find time in the shower to gaze at my um my vision board and I hope that that is something that helps because I think that it I think that a lot of people have vision boards and I've never made one and I was like I'm gonna make one and if five years down the like if I keep doing this for a couple of years and nothing happens I'll be like okay maybe not but at least like visually it makes me really happy because it's like all of my like hopes and dreams all in one spot beautiful yes why not yeah 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 I like yeah you should put uh man of god on there oh I really should I don't know why I didn't now I need to write it in sharpie I don't know why I didn't I think that I've just like kind of given up on it Cause like, it makes, it makes me a little sad cause I missed the opportunity to audition. That's a whole story. Um, it, I still am not done beating myself up. <laughs> what do you say? What is for you will not pass you. All right. I know, I know, I know. Uh, it was stupid. You know what I did? No. Okay. So Man of God at, at the Geffen Playhouse in LA, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a dream theater job. Like it's, if it's not yeah. in New York, like LA would be really cool. Cool, cool, cool. I can like audition, you know, like it'd be cool to be in LA, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah. So I submitted and I got I got a tape request. And then I look back at the dates and I noticed that opening night was the night of my best friend's wedding. And she's been my best friend ever since fifth grade. And I'm one of her bridesmaids. I'm like her best friend. And she's like my best friend the same day. And I was like, well, you can't do it. I can't do it. I know. So I like wrote them back and I said, thank you so much. Like I have a conflict though. And, um, I was like, you know, this is when, this is a moment when I'm tested, when, if I have a choice between pursuing my career, this one thing that will pretty much only benefit me versus, choosing to be there for somebody in my real life, mm-hmm. then, you know, I think I'm going to prove to myself that I'm going to choose like the, my, the people in my actual life. Um, but then I found out later, much, much later, that oh, opening no. night, opening night was actually the night before my friend's wedding. Well, what about the second night? I don't know. Opening night was not the same night as a wedding. And I think that that, I think if I had just checked the dates, no, I think it, it could have meant to be. And you just I know, have to, but it's like, I think that I stopped myself, you know, like 
And I think that I, that the lesson that I learned from that, cause I'm trying to learn lessons from these things. The lesson I learned from that is like, don't be the person to say no to yourself. Don't be the person to preemptively be like, mm. Oh no, 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 no. It won't work. It won't work. Just figure it out. If it like, if, if there's a conflict, there's a conflict, but don't, don't be the one to like block yourself from opportunity. That is fair. That is fair. Yeah. I think yeah. sometimes, yeah. For But you, but you're doing the same thing if you don't try to make it happen for yourself in the future. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing. Now I've been a lot less careful about, about, I don't know. About you like do have to say yes to yourself sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that ugh, it's, and also check the dates, check the dates. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing that that, that's the frustration is that I didn't do this simple thing and check the dates. If I had just checked the dates, I wouldn't have even had to go into that like moral thing of like, do I pick my friend or do I pick like my own, you know, like career? But now you have an opportunity to make an opportunity for yourself. Yeah, that's true. It's just like a really hard pill to swallow because like it's the simple thing that I didn't do. No, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it happens. It will keep happening. Trust me. Even though sometimes oh, you're going to be like, I know I can do this thing. It's something it's it's just like somebody very wise once said to me. Oh, what is for you will not pass you. And on that note, I want to thank Mia so much for joining me tonight to talk thank about so much, everything. Uh, thank you. What? Come on. Um, <laughs> I am so glad to be able to talk to you. I'm so happy that you are at the helm of the Minifest for this year. You are going to be great. The Minifest is going to be great. What are the dates of the mm. Minifest? Mm, the dates are something Check that. Check the dates. That. I, yes, check check the dates, everybody. Don't <laughs> don't get things mixed up. I actually September twenty second through the twenty fifth. I think I think it might be the twenty fourth. Yeah. Okay. Um. So it is that weekend. So yeah. make sure to check out newmanifest.org. And again, thank you so much, Mia, for joining us today. I think this is going to be a great manifest. I'm so happy. It sure will. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the New Manifest Theater podcast. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and be sure to keep updated with everything New Manifest is doing and future productions of Man of God at newmanifest.org. <laughs> we'll <laughs> manifest that one. <laughs> Listen, it's in our name. Also, make sure to follow us at on social media at New Manifest Theater with an R-E because we are very fancy. And until next time, all of you, please take care of yourselves. Mia, any final words? What is for you will not pass you. Boom. Done.